Welcome to Pivot, a podcast for church leaders, co-sponsored by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead and Lead. Welcome to Pivot. I'm Terry Elton from Luther Seminary. And I'm Louise Johnson. I want to introduce our guests here for Pivot today. We have my really good friend, Anthony Briggs. Anthony and I have had the chance to work together on a number of occasions, not the least of which was doing some leadership work back when I was on the East Coast. And then he introduced me, as luck would have it, to Dave Holt. And so we'll go on to have Dave introduce himself to you. Uh, Yeah, I'm Anthony Briggs, and I serve as Executive Director of Crossroads Camp and Retreat Center. We are here in New Jersey, and we are a Lutheran Episcopal Partnership. And hi, I'm Dave Holtz. I'm the Executive Director at Luther Crest Bible Camp in Alexandria, Minnesota, sitting on the shores of beautiful Lake Carlos. I want to just begin by asking you to talk a little bit about what it is that you're doing together. One of you is in New Jersey and one of you is in Minnesota. So talk a little bit about what you're doing together and then we'll we'll talk about how you got there. Sure. So Dave and I and our respective teams have been working together for several months uh, on a couple different initiatives. We are partnering and offering weekly Sunday school for congregations with our uh, BTF program, the Bold Transformational Faith uh, Initiative. And we have also been working together to create uh, the BLT, the Bold Leadership Training Program, which is offering leadership development and team building with uh, church councils and uh, church leadership councils. This grew out of your work that was spurred because of COVID. So back up a little bit and tell me how you got to even doing these pieces. On March 20th at 10 a.m., Anthony and I jumped on Zoom and started having a conversation about what are we going to do? Give me a perspective. This is like three days after the first closure or like where are we as far as COVID hitting? Yep. March 17th is when I think our governor in Minnesota announced the closures or at least our pandemic response and sent everybody, I think it was the 18th here in Alexandria is the last day that we had school and everyone was to shelter in place. And so I can remember uh, gathering my laptop and hunkered down in the basement like I was in a bunker wondering what was going to happen. And so I reached out to my colleagues in the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, and Anthony was one that was willing, Joel Amonth up at Voyagers, and Travis at Green Lake. And we started a little conversation and said, boy, this is going to be interesting. And I think uh, all of us were a little unaware of what we were about to do. And each of our camps, upon now reflecting after the last year, made different decisions and have thrived through those decisions. And so our work together, especially early in the pandemic, was idea sharing, connecting with one another, people who kind of knew what was going on. I mean, finances were in question, program was in question, staffing was in question, board operations was in question. What do we do with our site and facilities? Uh, Do we shelter? Do we open? You know, all those things. And of course, across the LOM network, uh, every state was responding differently. And so that main thing that we kept in mind was 
what is going to happen within our context and how respectful I think we were to respect the context that people were in. So both Anthony and I started on our own journey. And not until July did we realize that something had been created at both places, both in New Jersey and here in Alexandria, Minnesota, that might uh, be something that could come together. And uh, that's when I think Anthony reached out to me and said, hey, let's have a conversation about what's going on. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. And next thing you know, here we are with our mybtf.org and our Sunday school program, our on-demand worship services, our technology support uh, that we're doing for some congregations. And then now this uh, bold leadership training where we're really interested in experiences that people have on the council or the church council or the rectory, whatever that may be. And our hope is that they go smiling into each council meeting like they want to be there. And so that's that's our hope and dream. So that's that early context that brought us together. And I think it's a, it was a spirit experience. Yeah. So I have to just say, I've been to both of your camps. I've met both of you along the way. And when I heard the two of you were partnering, I thought, okay, this is an odd mix but I thought these two ministries, the people you serve, the context you serve, Anthony being a part of Lutheran Episcopalian, talk about complex, right? And especially when this was hit in the East Coast in a much quicker pace than it was here in the Midwest when I think about in March. And then I think about that, okay, now you're going to, across this geography, bring all this together. This seemed like the least thing of, of all the things I could have predicted that would have happened. How'd you pull this off? How did you just move from we're going to just meet and like not just be overwhelmed with all the logistics to actually doing something? You know, we had been meeting unofficially for months and the friendship was there. The collegiality was there. The support was there. And many of our camps and probably the majority of our camps had some level of online programming last summer. And so we were learning a lot. We were making a lot of mistakes. We were doing all kinds of things. We were playing catch up and learning all the technology stuff. I won't speak for Dave's team, although I know they're wonderful, but I was blown out of the water by what this wonderful team that I get to work with did. I could not have done it. I could never have figured all this tech stuff out. And we just kept having a conversation. And there was one day at a staff meeting here, we just sort of stopped and we said, there's not much we can do right now. We are a ministry that brings people together in community. And we're not getting together in community these days, but what are we uniquely qualified to do? And how can we not close in on ourselves, but continue walking with people? And we started thinking about many, many different things that we can do. And, and I remember sharing that conversation with Dave, and I know that they were having the exact same conversations on his team. And we just started dreaming. And one of the things that many of us in outdoor ministries have always been challenged by is how do we stay connected with our campers and their families throughout the year? That it's not just this week or a summer experience, but how do we stay engaged? And we've thought of many different things over the year, but COVID pushed us. It pushed us to think, how can we be a resource to our churches, to our families? And we were both having conversations with our colleagues, our clergy colleagues, and they were overwhelmed and thinking about all the things that they had to do just to get church services live. 
or recorded. And Sunday school just wasn't happening. Or it was, but it wasn't regular, or they were trying to do it themselves on top of everything that they had going on. And so we started thinking, and our staffs (laughs) collectively started brainstorming, how could we create a Sunday school program? Because we've got these great counselors. We've got this group of young adult leaders that are ready to lead and want to be a part of the church. And so we just started making plans, and Dave brought his team I brought my team, we had Zoom meetings, we had phone calls, and we just started looking at what we could do and had a lot of fun in the early stages brainstorming what it would look like. Do we create characters? What curriculum do we use? You know, just how do we do all this? You know, figuring out the technology and becoming producers and editors, like many of our churches that they've had to do, but they had the aptitude. Yep, they just did it, didn't think about it, and did a really, really good job. But, you know, your original question, you know, these two very different ministries, how in the world? It sounds a little cheesy, but it really came out of collegiality and friendship, and that we were already there supporting each other, and, you know, why not? Then that's the key. The why not was right there. Why not give this a try? Uh, similar here in the state of Minnesota, we were we were pretty much shut down uh, at Luthercrest, with the exception of just small pod type of experiences uh, that people could have, and mostly families were coming out. But even that was minimal, and so we were really able to turn our focus on how do we engage as a resource to not only the people, but the congregations. And that's what our camps were birthed out of is is being a resource, but we were always that place. Well, now here's an opportunity to change the makeup, basically. I don't know if that's the right word of who we are. And now we're, we're coming to you. We extended a hand and said, we'd love to talk and see how we can help you through this process. And so a number of churches uh, took us up on that invitation. I mean, we are deeply committed and in relationship with churches that we have never had this type of relationship with because of this sort of situation, because of us saying, here we are, what can we do? And then a conversation is had. And so that's really opened the doors. And I think our mileage and the diversity of space that we have, uh, the diversity of staff and how we do life here in the Midwest and how the Lutherans are and the Episcopals are out on the East Coast. I think that that was a unique way for us to to try to see what ministry would be like across this. I don't. Did we ever say it was it 1,100 miles? Is that is that what we've we've done? And both of our program directors, Jenna on my side and Catherine on your side, they never met each other until this happened, and they embraced it. And man, it has just been a joy to be a part of this expansion that they've held on to it and made it their own too. Thanks so much for helping us understand a little bit more about that. I wonder if you might reflect back a little bit on the work that you've done. And I wonder what what the important leadership pivots for you have been, right? Where were the the moments in time where you, you know, maybe one of the staff you just named, they came up with a, a completely different idea than what you had, or that the partnership pushed you to a different level, or you made a mistake and then you were like, oh man, okay, now we got to turn and do this. But what were some of those important leadership pivots that you can recall that helped you get to where you are? I think one that came early in the pandemic was 
vulnerability, how I think we post questions to say, what direction can we go? There, there wasn't a, hey, everybody, let's, let's do this. But we need to come together as a team of folks. Here's some ideas and really let the spirit make us think differently because, uh, and I've heard this a number of times in this environment is we thought this was going to be a, a real temporary thing, right? I, I don't even remember when it changed to like, oh man, now we're in this for 12 months or 18 months or 22. There was a certain time that that kind of became more long-term, but being invulnerable because this did affect everybody in some way. And so many, so many of our leadership models are take the staff or take that lead position. And I think one of the changes that we made here was we all need to participate in this. And so how are we going to make sure everyone is cared for in some way? And then uh, relying on the connections that we have was the second one. Those relationships within our network in outdoor ministries, uh, but also within our community and especially within the congregations. And we really, we really wanted to live into those and really relied on them. And I think folks relied on us too to bring a little bit of hope in that dark time and to be that light in that way. And so those would be two that I would think of right off the bat. Piggybacking on what you're saying about the light in the dark time, there was so much grief and mourning for so much of what we were all losing. And of course, I'm speaking about camp and outdoor ministries, but I mean, that's true for everybody. I was experiencing that too. I was right in the middle of that uh, with everyone and just could not imagine what those months were going to look like and what they were going to feel like. And worried, when would we open again? And just pausing. And, you know, having a, a group of trusted colleagues to reflect with and to, you know, I'm thinking about the getting out off the dance floor and up onto the balcony and really being able to, to look and assess the situation and take the time that we needed. I think if any mistake, I mean, I'm sure we made a lot of mistakes and just figuring out you know, all the technical stuff, literally the technical stuff. Do we live stream the campfire or do we tape it ahead of time so we can edit it and make it better? And then we found out, yes, it's better to do that. And then we can actually put the lyrics to all the songs with subtitles, you know. So there were all those technical things, but the substantive things helping people have something to get excited about and to look forward to something, bringing about a positive change, you know, out of all of this, this grief, the staff got excited about it. We, we have a gap year program that we're running this year here at camp and the gapsters, as we refer to them, have their Sunday school teachers. They didn't know they were signing up for, to be Sunday school teachers, but they look forward to it and they're excited about it. It, oh man, I, I read an article in the last month, Dave, I think you, you may have shared it with me, but you know, how do leaders lead a team when everyone's exhausted? I'm messing that up, but because we're all exhausted, you know, and so I'm constantly asking myself, how are you taking care of yourself? How are you staying where you need to be because you're responsible for this organization? you know, the board is the constituency, but yeah, it's a great question. And I'll probably be asking myself that for, for months to come. So I have two questions around that leadership piece. One is, I mean, one thing I think about camp 
is the leadership development that you do with, with camp counselors slash the layers of leadership development. So I want to learn, are you getting anything that you're, as you looked forward, that you're going to change your leadership development, kind of how you do that with camp counselors or others? And I'm wondering also, now that you're seeing the ability to go back to some of what you could do before in 2021, what are you going to keep? What are you going to say, we can't now imagine doing our ministry without this anymore? I'll jump in uh, on the Sunday school specifically. I hope that we continue doing this for a long time because there are so many layers to it that are all positive. I've had many kids that are participating tell me how much they're enjoying this. And I'm getting emails from parents. Uh, I had one mom call me and specifically said they have never looked forward to Sunday school before. They don't miss it. They're, they're there every week. And part of the reason is it's one of their former counselors is their Sunday school teacher. So that leads me to think that this is a new way that we can stay engaged with our staff throughout the year, keep them part of a faith community, and so it gives them a natural fit. And they can do it from their college dorm room. That's what we have right now. We have Sunday school teachers who are college students sitting in their dorm rooms or their parents' house because they are quarantined there. And so there are so many ways that this can continue and meet many needs of different generations. Many of our churches out here on the East Coast have been struggling with the traditional Sunday school model for years. You know, I look to a day that we won't have so much Zoom fatigue, but we still have great participation. But in the future, a kid can roll out of bed and do an hour-long Sunday school, even if they're not planning on getting up, getting ready, and schlepping to church. And I say that in quotes. It's, I just think that there, it's a way that camp can continue to be a part of the fabric of their lives throughout the year and also keep our staff engaged, which, you know, let's be honest, that's tough. That's tough with that age group. And that's the key part for us, Terry, is how do we keep our staff and participants and our congregations connected uh, throughout the year? And that's not necessarily for us to be the focus, but how do we keep that relationship going so that there's consistency? And part of our leadership training that we do with either our high school or with our summer staff can continue now through this BTF program. I think we're you know, we're continually expanding what the offerings could be or how this program will influence what we do, not only at our sites, but at sites around the nation or around the world, potentially. We're thinking that this, this is a way that we can be a conduit of God's grace throughout the world and throughout the online world, too. And so we hope that our summer staff that we worked with last summer most of them are signed up to come back this summer because they want to engage again. And we hope that that will continue into the fall, winter, and spring if they're able or since they're able in some ways and being part of this. And hopefully that that will push them then to summer 2022. And then, you know, this will become a, a new way of consistent development. And maybe there'll be an opportunity for seminary work within this education or other training that they'll be able to partner this with their studies, or it might be just a nice way to depart from their regular studies and, and get a little dose of faith formation on their own. Maybe it's a new campus 
campus ministry. Maybe it's, you know, who knows what it could be, but, but we feel we've got a good basis and a good foundation with the amount of work that we've done here in the outdoor ministry realm to really see this uh, go beyond our sites and really into the next, next realm. One of the things that I really love about what you're doing is that it it really does push into the adaptive, right? In, in an interesting way, COVID pushed you to solve a problem that you had thought about for a long time, right? A que- at least a question you had thought about for a long time, right? And it pushed you into a whole new way of connecting with people all year long. And I know you had other ways of doing that, but this is certainly, I think you're finding it a more consistent and effective way to do that. I think the other thing that is interesting to me, so my ears perk up when I hear, you know, seminaries or campus ministries or whatever. And the other thing that I think catches my attention is I think traditionally we've thought about congregations as being the primary locus for faith formation. In lots of ways, the models that we've had for that, you know, they worked at one time and they're not working now. It's kind of a typical piece in our church, but you're figuring out a new way to make them work, which I think is in some way shifting that locus again. And so I wonder if you just reflect a little bit on that and on how you're thinking about what I know you're both deeply committed to partnerships with congregations, but how you're thinking about that relationship and how it's changing and how you might be partners in different ways than what you have been in the past. I visualize the scene from Friends when uh, Chandler is on the lower level. Have you guys had this with your pivot theme? Uh, Chandler is on the lower level of he and Ross moving a sofa up the stairs and Ross is yelling down, pivot, pivot. And Chandler's going, I am, I am, but it's not working. I mean, they're, it's, I think we've been yelling, not from above necessarily, but now being around that we've got to pivot life these days and that we have to be a little bit more mobile. And many times when we think we're listening to that call, we're, we're saying, I am. It's the funniest scene that I remember in Friends, but I think it is, it is something that I hold on to is that how much time have I been a person yelling pivot and how much time I've been a person that's yelling, I am, I am. And so I can't necessarily foresee the future about how our relationships or our partnerships are going to change, but I I think they're gonna. And I think we're going to find ourselves in unique, real deep relationships with some congregations, some families. I remember when many of our camps started doing day camps and I know Dave's camp does day camps, so we do day camps or traveling VBS. You know, I also remember being a kid and my mom was always in charge of VBS at my church growing up. And the old VBS model isn't as robust as it used to be. It's harder and harder to find VBS teachers. So that was a way uh, there was a place then that that camp could partner with congregations and help fill a need to fill a void with our summer camp counselors and running these programs. And so maybe this this partnership with Sunday school or or maybe we call it something else in the future. Maybe it's not every week. Maybe it's once a month. And also thinking about the shifting dynamic, camp to congregation and congregation to camp. Obviously, camps came out of congregations. And synods and districts created these these sites. And for 
many years, probably generations, our congregations sent us their kids. And that model worked for a long time. At Crossroads, over a third of our campers are non-churched. Half of our campers are either Lutheran or Episcopalian. I see a day, it's just going to take some organization, it's going to take working with pastors and working with the synodical and the diocesan structure. I see the day that we're going to be able to have a kid come to camp and be able to introduce them to a congregation back in their own community. And we just, we continue to build that relationship back and forth because the church is not just in those four walls and the church is not just here and the church is not over there, but it is, it is all of us working together. And it's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take some, some real forethought how we can do that. But, you know, I could tell you several stories about families who have been introduced to a church because their child came to camp with their neighbor kid and then went home and the kid was all of a sudden, I want to go to church and started going to church with the neighbor kid. And then the family followed the kid. I remember the first time I heard that story, I was like, wow, that's amazing. But I've heard it three or four times now over the years. And are we preparing our campers? Do we talk about what that means to invite people into relationship with with Jesus? And what does it mean to take what they find in a different way at camp, but bring it with them everywhere, not just to camp, but to school and their communities and their friend groups? So again, another good question. I will ponder that. How do we continue to think about that shift and that relationship? And it's really just, it's growing deeper because that's what has to happen. There's really more intentionality. I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing a level of pivoting around imagination around what is church. And the things that I'm hearing are church is a network of communities working together on behalf of the gospel. Amen. I mean, that's overly simplifying what you just said. But that sense of, and and Dave, I think you said it so well, our geography no longer is defining us. And so looking at where our congregations, how do I partner with our community, whatever that community is defined as how do we partner with colleges? How do we partner with seminaries? You know, suddenly we're all in this together and the way that you utilize a network or worked with networks and fostered networks and strengthened networks existing and future or potential. So I'm hearing this view of church that is this robust network. And Anthony, I, I love that kid, right? You see it in a kid and then you go, that's why we do it for the sake of a kid or a family. But also I heard the pivot around church is be hope and light to grieving people in a dark time. And man, that sounds really different than be Sunday school curriculum or what are the camp games or what sermon should I preach? But being light and hope, not only for the leaders, but also for the people. The other thing I've heard you pivot on is how do you do this work? What assets do we have? And who are my partners? Who are the first people I could partner with? And this is, I feel like really stupid. I feel like this is the da moment. Of course, every camp has how many counselors already spread around 
the country that know more about technology than I do that are feeling isolated, either in their dorm room or their parents' basement. And could I be hope and light by having them be hope and light doing the thing that gives them joy? And I think we all have assets like that. They're going to look different for a congregation. They're going to look different for a synod or or diocese. They're going to look different for a church-wide office, whatever, or a seminary. But we have these assets. What does it mean to be hope and light in a network? Anyway, those are four things that you're making me think about of pivots that any of us can do from wherever our location is. Luis, what are you thinking? What are you hearing? You know, my mind goes to a conversation that I had with Andrea Schofield, who's a a camp director out in Oregon. And her beginning, you know, I think one of the things we we all know, I forget who said it or where it came from, but that, you know, outdoor ministry is the most successful young adult ministry in the church. And so I think about that, right? And I think about what are the dimensions and dynamics of young adult ministry that makes that so attractive? A sense of belonging, a sense of responsibility and purpose, right? I mean, we could go down the list. Is our denomination, as the ELCA longs now to connect with a million new, young, diverse people, I think outdoor ministry then becomes, in a way that you already have been, right, but becomes such a primary connector, almost the front runner. So this is what I'm talking about, right, as we're thinking about how those networks of communities are shifting in their relationship to one another. I think for a long time, we've thought about that as congregations. And and there's still no doubt that congregations will continue to do that and be that work. But I wonder if we thought creatively about outdoor ministries in that way. Because you're saying, Anthony, a third of your campers come and they have no church relationship or connection. And you become that. And so what if we blessed that and honored it instead of thinking of that as somehow aberrant or threatening? There's all kinds of possibility here in terms of the leadership that the two of you have already, along with others, demonstrated and the connections that you're making. You know, Anthony, you alluded to the grief and loss that you felt early on in the pandemic and probably still do feel as most of us do, the weariness, the fatigue, all that. But even in the midst of that, what's impressive to me is that the two of you asked the missional question. How do we continue to live out our mission now in completely different ways? Your missions have been centered on gathering physically in a place and a location, right, together. And so how do we pivot and think differently about what we're called to do right now? And you did it. And I just think that's such a model for so many of us who are wondering how these changing times have shaped and reshaped and really undone how we did our mission before and how we now begin to live into it and think about it. Our mission drives, I think, this BTF. Whether I can't recall what Crossroads' mission is. I know Anthony can. But this lives out our mission, and it gave staff purpose because there was a point where we were not quite sure what our purpose would be in this world. We have been invited into a conversation within the church as an outdoor ministry of how vital we are in faith formation practices. And the church has responded well and helped people, reached out to community members to try to bring that invitation of camp to others who are unchurched or or outsiders. And here we were sitting in March going, we may not be able to do that. We won't be able to do that. 
you're not going to be able to do that. And here we looked at our mission and said, what can we do? And I think that that's what we all need to do in our own might, whether COVID or not, is don't put the walls on the mission, let it go. Let's walk, run, roll, stroll with all the the people that are there and see where God encourages us and guides us and, and then be willing to participate. So as we wrap up our time today, is there one thing you want to leave our listeners with? You know, another thing that Dave and I have been working on that I'm really excited about is the bold leadership training that we have been developing for church council leadership. I stumble over that because we're ecumenical and we have vestries and we have sessions and we have, depending on what denomination it is, church councils. But these past months, you know, one of the questions was, what are some of the the gifts that outdoor ministries uh, brings the church? What are we uniquely qualified to do? And Dave and I have been developing teams and building teams for years and training young adults to run a program and to step back and let them lead. In a lot of conversations that I know that I've had with colleagues, clergy colleagues, uh, it's been something that they have wanted to spend more time doing with their own leadership in their context. And so we started talking about what if we took some very basic concepts that we do with staff training every year and repurpose it and think about how we could work with congregational councils to build stronger teams. And we've had a lot of fun with this. And we, we have a beta site right now or in, in training, and it's been really fun. And they were shocked the first meeting when we made them play some games on Zoom, and they loved it. And even the curmudgeon in the corner smiled and laughed. And so uh, that was one of Dave's, <laughs> he kept saying he wanted to make sure that people wanted to be on council, that it became, uh, that we could help with maybe a culture shift. So that's a pivot, that, a pivot, a pivot. Yes. That's another initiative that has come out of this partnership that has been really exciting. People always think the campus for the kids and we know that it is for the whole church, all ages. Uh, and it's just another way we can, we can live into that. I think one of my final thoughts would be change is necessary. Pivoting is necessary. We need to embrace that as a culture within the church or within our communities and live into the newness that is created each and every day. One of my uh, podcast preachers said, you know, during the time of COVID, there was a point where we had a change shortage you know, where you would go to one of the big box stores and you would not get change because they just didn't have any coins. He's like, this is the church. The church has been short on change for so many years. And it's time to really pull back, unpeel the onion, whatever whatever visual you want to do and say, what are the areas that we need to do to open God's word, open ourselves to reflect God's love to one another. And so I think that, that that's been through the BLT, through mybtf.org. It's really opened the doors to the many ways that God is living in and through us in this world. And so I just can't say more about welcome that change and embrace and let's see what God has in store. 
I want to thank you both. This has been a really inspiring and helpful, informative episode of Pivot. And that's in no small part due to the two of you. And we're grateful for not only this time together, but the ministry that you are doing in our church and in with families and congregations and for the inspiration that you're bringing in relationship to thinking about pivots and new ways of leading. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we'll look forward to hearing more about what's happening happening with these two incredible initiatives that you have been putting together and now and now running. And we'll look forward next week, audience, to connecting with you around another episode of Pivot. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our Pivot podcast. For more leadership resources from LEAD, you can go to waytolead.org or from Faith Lead, go to faithlead.luthersam.com dot edu.